newsletter, October 2020. What time was Benny born? Michelle and I lost our beloved Norwegian forest cat, Wally, in January. By summer, we were emotionally ready to invite a kitten into our lives. With COVID-19 raging, the search was mostly on the internet, which is a shaky place when it comes to falling in love with anyone, including a cat. One little guy did catch our hearts and eyes, though, a kitten named Benny. He was living in a shelter in a city called Hemet, a couple hours' drive away. We headed up there on Michelle's birthday, August 12th, to have a look at him. We were immediately smitten, and Benny came home with us that same day. Naturally, as astrologers, we were curious about his chart, but his birth data was not available. He and his four brothers had been dumped unceremoniously at a kill shelter at the tender age of two weeks. They had been picked up by the saints who run a no-kill shelter, where it was estimated that the kitten and his brothers had been born around May 8th. Now, astrologers are often confronted with situations such as this one, where there is no time of birth available for a person. Well, after all the possibilities for finding a recorded time have been exhausted, I really underscore that, try. But if we do try and fail, the final option is to undertake a process called rectification. Basically, one works backwards through astrology's predictive techniques to come up with a chart that would have predicted the timing of events that have already happened in the person's life. Rectification is a tricky process. It's fraught with risks of error. Now, in the text version of this newsletter, you can see a link to a more technical article that I've written about the rectification process. It's free. Uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast rather than reading, you can just go to forestastrology.com and do a search for rectification. Um, you'll find the article along with some uh, pay-per-view workshop kinds of things. Now, would the rectification process work with our Benny, our new kitten? There were many, many problems, starting with the fact that he was only three months old. That meant that there were not yet many events in his life. Rectification works best with people in midlife, simply because they have longer stories to tell, which means more clues. I also like to have the dates of events widely spaced out over time in order to spread out the transits, progressions, and solar arcs a bit. Too many events clustered in the same year will tend to generate false positives with the rectification process. But Benny was so young that most of the planets were actually still conjunct themselves. Certainly true of all the progressions and solar arcs and, and, and the, the, the slower transits of the personal planets, so-called, had, of course, moved a bit over three months. That's all we had. Well, just to be crystal clear, let me be the first to admit that in this newsletter, I am going to indulge in some monumentally bad habits when it comes to rectification. I'll at least label them for you. This is very much a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do situation for sure. We will come up with a possible chart for Benny, and we will label it tentative.
As I mentioned, the people at the animal shelter told us that Benny had been born around May 8th. That was all we knew. For rectification purposes, this was an absolute worst-case scenario. Not only did we not have a time of birth for a kitten, we didn't even have a reliable date. Usually with rectifications, you have a birth date along with at least a hint about the time mom says it was in the evening, you know, or something along those lines. That's not good enough for setting up an actual chart, but it really does narrow down the possibilities. Even in the evening is tremendously helpful. We didn't even have that much. So undaunted, even though we perhaps should have been, we set up a noon chart for May 8th, 2020 in Hemet, California, and that was the beginning. Now, again, if you're looking at the text version, uh, here you will see these charts, and probably that would be the best way to actually learn something technically about rectification. It helps to see the charts. But even here in the podcast, you maybe get some sense of how this works. So what about events in Benny's life? That's the heart of the rectification process. Well, we had only one event, and that was our first meeting with him. It was a big day for him as well as for us. Not only did he meet his future parents, but he was also neutered on that same day. In fact, when Michelle and I arrived for our appointment at the shelter, the staff apologized that Benny was actually at the veterinary hospital and would not arrive back until around 3 p.m. We took the delay in stride, did some shopping, and arrived back there at the shelter at 3 o'clock. Benny was still not there. He actually showed up a bit later. Fortunately, we had sufficient presence of mind to look at our watches that, and the instant that we first laid eyes on, on him. We met him at 3.47 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, and that gave us a timed event chart in his life. That, plus our initial impressions of him, were all we had to go on. Not enough but all we had. By the way, those initial impressions can lie to you with terrible authority. Beginners may just know, in quotes, this person must have Leo rising, only to discover a true birth time later on, which reveals the Sun or Jupiter conjunct the Ascendant, not Leo rising at all. Impressions are helpful, but only if you're careful with them. Never trust them uncritically. Astrologically, there are many different ways to say the same thing. Jupiter can look like Leo. Saturn can resemble Capricorn. Miss that and you will resemble a monkey. Another rectification trick that doesn't involve events is the fact that people and pets who are drawn together usually have strong astrological connections. Would Benny's chart link via synastry to mine or to Michelle's? Uh, We can safely assume that that will be true, but of course that also entails an awful lot of possibilities. So May 8th, being vague and approximate, we didn't even have certainty around the sign of Benny's moon. It was on Sagitt- in Sagittarius on that day, but it easily could have been in Scorpio or Capricorn if May 8th was off by a couple of days, and it might very well have been. Synchronicity to the rescue. 
as we stood there in the shelter watching Benny in the cage with his brothers, he attempted a bold athletic leap and wound up somersaulting into the water bowl. A hilarious situation. Now, with all due respect to you dignified Sagittarians out there, that did give a point to a Sagittarian moon for our Benny. That is far from definitive, but it was impressionistic and maybe helpful if we keep perspective on it. Now, in practice, technical rectification is all about the four angles, the endpoints of the horizon and the meridian. They are time-sensitive. We are looking for those angles to reveal themselves through transits and progressions and solar arcs. Uh, the chart of our first meeting with Benny had 20 degrees, 51 minutes of Sagittarius rising. There it was, 3.47 p.m. and so on. Sag rising, 20, almost 21 degrees. That's very close to my own natal Venus. And for me, it was love at first sight. So the transiting ascendant was triggering my Venus. That was my own transit. But was it Benny's transit too? Maybe he was falling in love with me. I hope so. Was the transiting ascendant triggering his moon? There's a possibility. The noon chart for May 8th had the moon earlier at about 7 degrees of Sagittarius. We liked the Sagittarian moon for him, but we wondered if maybe it fell later in Sagittarius. Could his moon be lined up with the ascendant of our first meeting, and thus also with my own natal Venus? That would have him born the next day, May 9th, which was, of course, completely possible. That first meeting chart, the only one we really had to go on, also had 7 degrees 12 minutes of Libra on the midheaven. I immediately wondered if either of the axes in his chart, the horizon or the meridian, might parallel any of the angles in Benny's chart. So the, the event chart and the natal chart, did they line up? That didn't narrow things down very much. It left us with points in Sagittarius, Gemini, Aries, and Libra as possibilities, but also certain degrees there. Well, with so little to go on, we next resorted to the perilous practice of cataloging our impressions of Benny. We had already leaned toward a Sagittarian moon based partly on his behavior and apparent attitude. So we'd already started down this perilous path. As you just saw, there were also some astrological arguments to be made in support of that moon sign. The event chart may be correlating with it. Nothing to lose. So we took it further by engaging our astrological intuitions. Benny is a really pretty kitten. And if you disagree, please don't email me about it or I'll have to kill you because I love the guy. More tellingly, he's friendly. E even though being a kitten, he is still half velociraptor, of course, but he likes people and he quickly charms them. From the first day we had him and every night since, he has slept between Michelle and me, purring away and eager to interact. He doesn't like being left alone, although sometimes for me to get any work done, he needs to be shut out of my office and Michelle's painting studio. He hates that, but he seems to get over it quickly when we emerge. He doesn't seem to hold a grudge. 
All of that made me wonder if possibly that Libran Midheaven in the chart of our first meeting might also be Benny's natal ascendant. Could be. We set up that chart, putting that seven-degree Libran ascendant on a May 9th chart. Then I had one of those serendipity moments that always seem to happen in astrological practice. I, I noticed that at the instant of our first meeting, transiting Venus was just a kitten's whisker under five degrees of cancer. I realized that if Benny had been born just a few minutes earlier than the chart I had just set up, then Venus would have been transiting his natal midheaven when he arrived in our arms. That sounds pretty Venusian to me. Perfect. Uh, additionally, the Sagittarian ascendant in that event chart would be triggering his natal moon. Even better, the transiting moon in Gemini when we first met him would have just entered Benny's possible ninth house, long journeys, the ninth house, and he was just about to embark on a two-hour car trip. The transiting moon, you don't use it that much in practical astrology, but it's powerful, and here it was, just about to enter that ninth house of his, or on the cusp of the house, to be precise. It all fit perfectly, in other words, and that is the most dangerous moment in any rectification process. You start to get excited that you've found the answer, and maybe you have, but maybe you have just made a fool of yourself by letting your excitement blind you to other possibilities. In what I have written here, I have relied upon one single event, the first meeting we had with our kitten. That is a huge no-no in rectification. My only defense is that I only had one event to work with. Another shaky element in what I have done here is to rely rather heavily on personal impressions. That's not a no-no exactly, but it should never be the starting point. The starting point should always be the life event data itself. So formally, I would hesitate to declare that this is Benny's true chart. I call it plausible speculation, and as a bonus, kind of a fun way to present something of the real world of astrological rectification here in this newsletter. Let me take all of this one step further. As an evolutionary astrologer, I am always interested in the karma underlying any situation, and cats have karma, as do all sentient beings we see anyone's karma indicated most clearly in the south node of the moon, not to mention the shape of the person's life, uh, especially when fate seems to take a hand in things. That's how karma works. Now, Benny was born very close to the time when the south node of the moon switched from Capricorn to Sagittarius. His south node, and I always use the mean node, not the so-called true node, his South node, mean south node, was in one degree, 22 minutes of Capricorn. Remember, the nodes are always retrograde, so it was, it was going to cross into the last degree of Sagittarius soon. In my speculative chart, that would place the south lunar node in Benny's third house in a reasonable conjunction with his Sagittarian moon. Tellingly, his south node ruler, Saturn, was in Aquarius in the fourth house. As we mentioned earlier, 
Poor Benny was dropped off at a kill shelter at the tender age of two weeks, along with his four brothers. That is a hard start in life. Where was his mother? He was obviously still dependent on her for his survival. He was nowhere near ready to be weaned at age two weeks. Had his mother died? Had some monster simply decided to get rid of the kittens, taking them from the mother? We don't know the story. We do know that the kind people at the no-kill shelter where we found him had rescued him and that some human angel had bottle-nursed him until he was ready for regular cat food. Think about it, though. With that Capricorn South Node, his karma was hard and it involved lack and privation. That's Capricorn, at least when we see it through the South Node. His karma also involved chaos and unexpected events. Those are third house correlates karmically. Another third house correlation is siblings, brothers and sisters. And Benny had four brothers sharing his hard fate. In discerning karma, we always pay a lot of attention to the ruler of the South Node, which is just as telling as the South Node itself. In this case, it is Saturn. There in the fourth house of Benny's chart, Saturn echoes Capricorn and means the karma again revealed as difficult. The fourth house correlates with family. Did Benny have hard family karma? Maybe the karma of death and loss in the family? Saturn is conjunct Jupiter, which might imply some element of help in the darkness, but then it is also conjunct Pluto, which deepens all of the nightmarish themes. Does any of this sound like being separated from your mother at the age of two weeks and sent to a kill shelter to die? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I am partisan to relying on the mean node of the moon rather than the true node, so-called true node. Uh, usually they're very close together. And so generally the distinction does not matter very much. But Benny is a test case. His so-called true node is actually in Sagittarius. Given South node, that is. Given the facts of his early life, do you like Saturn or Jupiter as the ruling planet? Which one tells the true story? That seems like a really easy question to me. And this is a pattern I have seen repeatedly when someone is born with the true node in one sign and the mean one in another. It is the mean node that tells the story. With that Cancer North node of his, Benny has come to a stage in his own evolutionary journey where he needs healing. He needs a loving home, and he needs something to eat. All of those are cancer correlates, and I have never seen such a hungry cat. Even the vet was astonished when Benny gained one full pound in only two weeks. His shelter name, Benny, by the way, seems to have stuck with us, but formally around the house, he is Benito Mangiamo, which is Italian for let's eat. Now, once again, I have not only demonstrated here some of the fundamentals of rectification, I have also demonstrated some really bad habits. Beware of relying too much on personal impressions and jumping to astrological conclusions. 
always use multiple dates of events and let the hard facts of astrological reality reveal the pattern. The work of rectification is actually fun in a Virgo sort of way. It's time-consuming, though, and for that reason, I basically no longer do it as part of my professional practice. I just don't have time. But I can recommend people who are skillful at it if, should you need a rectification, uh, contact me about that. On another note entirely, briefly, I want to report that we are making very rapid progress with the Forest Center for Evolutionary Astrology. Thanks to COVID-19, I have shot over a hundred instruction videos and in, uh, describing basically how to do evolutionary astrological work. Uh, COVID-19 has given me that time since I'm not seeing clients face-to-face -face at this point. Uh, they, uh, these videos, uh, along with my books, will support a structured, guided learning process, kind of soup to nuts through evolutionary astrology. Students in the FCEA can start at zero or start wherever they are in their own astrological journeys. The aim is to learn evolutionary astrology at a professional level, although everybody's welcome, even if they have no desire to become a pro, so to speak. Our main FCA website is not quite ready for prime time, but you can click on forestastrology.center, not my normal forestastrology.com, but forestastrology.center for more information. Uh, we've just posted an in-depth interview about the school with comments from our Dean Katie Cadge and Jeff Parrott, who's uh, president, and, and myself. There's also a video there I'm really happy with. It's just me talking about the joys and rewards and practicalities of being a professional astrologer. It's just 17 minutes long, and it comes right from my soul. So I, I hope you enjoy that. And uh, so that's all I have for you this month. Thank you. Stay well and take care.